Amen. Thanks. Um, is this thing working all right? Yes, no, maybe so. Um, good morning, everyone. Good to see you and uh, be with you. Um, as uh, was said, we are going through a series on prayer. We're in the Lord's Prayer. I get the honor of, of kicking it off. And um, as we're preparing for this series, um, I've been sharing with our uh, leaders about what God's been doing in my life, specifically and related, uh, related to receiving the Father's love, and so I was invited to share uh, out of my own personal story. So a uh, fair amount of what I'm going to share today is quite personal, and uh, not that it's like R-rated or anything like that, but it's, you know, just uh, from my heart, my, my lived experience, and what the Lord's been doing. Uh, in my life. Uh, so most of us are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, and the first line uh, is found in Matthew 6, 9, uh, where Jesus uh, tells his uh, followers this. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. A question for this morning that I hope just hold it kind of as background uh, to uh, what, what we're focusing on, and that is, what is your lived experience of the Father's love? What is your lived experience uh, of the Father's love? Um, I want to I give a little sneak preview uh, of maybe uh, a, a way that the Father loves us that you may not be familiar with or think about very much, but... Um, but I like it. Uh, James 1.17 says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of shadow or turning. And there was this uh, monk in the 4th century named Theodoret of Cyrus. Like, is there a more monastic name to have? Uh, Theodore of Cyrus, and he reminds us of one of these good gifts from above. He says this, Mark another manifestation of his providence. The body provides the natural couch of the buttocks, so that you can make a seat of the ground or on a stone and not be hurt by sitting on bare limbs. So, we have a buttocks. Consider it the love of God to you. To not always be in pain when you're sitting down. Um, I'm particularly well loved. Uh, working on it. Uh, I was at Orange Theory with uh, Aaron this week. So uh, anyway, uh, so consider your tush God's love for you and care for you. Always hold on to that. Well, don't literally, but uh, you know, uh, hang on to that as uh, as His personal care for you. Uh, we're going to be looking at some other ways that he is loving us uh, in ways that we may, we may not just um, acknowledge. But let's pray and ask for his encouragement and wisdom. So, <clears throat> Lord, we know that you uh, care for us in many ways, some that are uh, unexpected, uh, some that uh, maybe are just hidden to us. Probably most of them are hidden to us. Help us to recognize uh, that a little bit more this morning as we uh, look at our real experience of receiving your love. Thank you the way that you are working in all our lives. 
to help us to be more open to receiving your love and passing it on to others. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I think a lot of us have paid attention to how much family language there is in the Bible. There's a ton of it. Uh, you and I were brothers and sisters. God is our Father. Jesus is the Son of God. Um, the church is the family of God. And one of the occupational hazards of language and words is that uh, for any particular word, we may have some baggage associated with that word. So when we hear that God is uh, our Father, it could bring good associations, it could be positive memories, it could also uh, be negative. I do a lot of uh, ministry, as many of you know, with people who are addicted and incarcerated, and one of the most common uh, factors that tie all that community together is fatherlessness, uh, and a feeling of kind of being drifting in this world and not having uh, a loving dad. A lot, a lot of these uh, guys that I work with um, come from homes where it was a single parent household or maybe no parents, could be foster, could be all sorts of situations. I've known, I was talking to a guy the other week who was literally homeless at, I think he said eight years old. Eight years old. Think about um, you know, one of our little kids out on the streets. And so, frequently, using father language actually can be a painful thing. And I want to share uh, some of my own experience related to that. But as I was preparing, I was thinking about what was Jesus' experience of having a father? He actually had a couple dads, right? He had his heavenly father, and he had his, uh, I won't say biological father, because that's not true. But he had his uh, earthly dad, right? And, of course, his heavenly father was heavenly and perfect. But we don't know much about the details, but we can assume that Joseph had some issues, because he was a part of a fallen world. He was a sinner in need of grace like, like anyone. But what's clear is that Jesus, at least in, we assume this is true throughout his life, but we see specifically in his... Um, last years, he lived within the context of his father's love, his heavenly father's love. Um, he actually used the word Abba, which uh, if you look at how babies learn language, that's like one of the simplest things a, a baby can say is Papa or Mama, and that's why these are uh, the first words uh, that, that associate with parents, and he used that Toddler language for God the Father, Abba, and it was actually shocking in that day. It was uh, kind of heresy to many people. To use kid language for God, they felt like it was disrespectful. But it communicated just how tender and loving God is, uh, and I think we have a lot uh, to learn from that. But first, I want to... Um, share from my own story. My dad actually left our family when I was one or two years old. Um, and I don't know all the reasons. I don't particularly have to know uh, all the reasons. But um, I was very fortunate that I grew up with a mom who loves Jesus and still does to this day. And uh, so 
some of the negatives associated with my dad leaving um, were mitigated, uh, or many of them, uh, by having a loving family to grow up, grow up uh, in. However, it didn't change the fact that my dad was always far away, and uh, a dynamic that has been difficult my whole life is that um, we've always had to do, and I've always had to do, the pursuing core relationship. Um, and that just gets old. Like, you do it for a while, and uh, there's nothing to be interpreted, but does this person even want a relationship at all when it's uh, one-sided? Um, and he would tell me that he loves me and that he's proud of me when I would see him or call, uh, but it, but I always had to do the effort. It was uh, felt a little bit like uh, pulling teeth. Um, and for a lot of years, I just was like, well, like, this is what it is. Uh, now I can see that I kind of buried my frustrations and hurt pretty deep. Um, at the retreat a couple weeks ago uh, that uh, a number of us uh, went to in San Diego, the National Retreat for Soma, one of the speakers talked about grief and pain and trauma, and he talked about how so often we try to manage it like trying to hold a beach ball under the water. How many of you have tried to, you know, it's, you know, holding like a tennis ball would be pretty easy, like you just shove it in your pocket or something, but you get a beach ball, you're fighting that thing. And you gotta like be, it's like, you got your balance and your strength and uh, it's just exhausting. And that's often what grief and pain it, uh, dealing with it is like, is trying to hold it down so that it's not emerging. And I definitely related with that picture of uh, my just real experience of, of uh, my dad having left. And I sort of managed it and figured it out and kind of just went on with my life or so I thought until our daughters were born. And I, I was reflecting on it this week. I expected when my daughters were born that my dad, a little switch would flip and he'd want to know his granddaughters. His, uh, only grandkids, actually. It didn't happen. It was more of the same. And that was a big moment for me of disappointment again and pain again. And... I didn't talk to him for almost 10 years after that. And I realized around 10 years, I'm like, this, there may be something deeper than just like moving on with your life. Like, this is a present reality for me day to day. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, and this started a process um, about five or six years ago of really trying to be more more open and uh, processing it, praying through it, trying to deal with it. Tell me, tell you more about that uh, as we go on. Um, and uh, in our, so uh, the Westcott's and uh, St. Thomas's, we went through something called Strong Leader, and Strong Leader is a two-year process of self-reflection and growing and healing, and um, one of the things that we focused on there is that not everything is a sin to be repented of. 
Often there are wounds and hurts that we need to see healed, that call out for healing. And that was sort of new to me because within our family we we often reside in the intellectual and theological. And I think we're realizing that the longer we live and the more we deal with life, um, you can believe a lot of stuff up here, but it's not necessarily engaging in the heart. And that's what we want, is for the truth to set us free, right? And that's, that's in many ways a soul or heart uh, activity. So there are wounds that uh, call out for healing, and that we need uh, to experience relief from. I was re reading a Desiring God article uh, this week on uh, some of these topics, and they, they uh, defined... Uh, trauma in this way. Trauma is a certain kind of suffering, the kind that overwhelms one's ability to cope. A whole class of wounds that cripple, a wound that buries itself deep in our consciousness, a tragedy too heavy for us. It happens in the past, but asserts itself over and over in the present. Um, plenty of our, our Hurt and pain doesn't necessarily rise to the level of trauma, but still might require healing. Um, whatever you want to call these things, trauma, pain, soul wounds, emotional uh, injuries, it's clear that God cares for all of it in our lives. And I want to read a couple passages that show this. A couple uh, verses in the Psalm, Psalm uh, 34, 18. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, O God. Throughout the scriptures, we're encouraged to lament. Many of the psalms are psalms of uh, lament and mourning. Um, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, uh, Sermon on the Mountain, the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's been a, a really important verse uh, for me, uh, especially recently. In Isaiah, uh, we read this, but actually Jesus repeats it as referencing himself. Um, it says this, he will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick. Will not uh, forget us in our suffering. The world is a mess, and it's chaos and bedlam in many ways, but one thing is true, that God sees us in our pain, has seen me in my pain and suffering, and is actively working in our lives as we trust him to remedy much of that. Um... Here's, here's where one of the problems uh, lies, and that is uh, I've not always recognized the redemptive work that the Lord is doing in my own heart and soul, and I've at times lost heart, and I've come to define my present-day experience by past experiences. I've let my negative experiences before shape how I interpret things today. Um, and that was certainly true uh, with my, my uh, earthly dad, my, my dad who lives in Louisiana now. Uh, I've interpreted God through the lens of my bad experience with my dad here. Um, 
And there's this cycle that often uh, happens in our lives of we get hurt and we defend in some way, and eventually, if that cycle continues, we actually, uh, that defense becomes a part of our uh, habits from day to day of how to cope with the world. And it's not uncommon for those defense mechanisms to stick around longer than the threat is around. Often it continues to be how we kind of wear, wear lenses to see the world as I did uh, in a lot of ways uh, with my dad. And it actually came to be like shackles to me. Um, because I realize now that I've worked through a lot more of this stuff that I was, um, I was kind of like imposing my experience of my dad on the other people presently in my life. Um, and I agreed that, and uh, by God's grace, uh, that's changing. Question for you. Have, you. have you ever had somebody totally flip out on you, and you probably to this day don't even know the reason? Probably most of us have that experience, right? Um, it's possible and maybe even likely that that person who flipped out was not responding as much to you as they were responding to somebody from their past or an experience from the past. That's kind of how we work in our minds. We have these memories and we, we tend to react out of memory. And I certainly uh, am no different uh, from that. But what I've learned, um, re what I've been uh, focusing on recently is just how much of my present day experience is shaped by my past experiences. Um, no matter how much I wanted for my, my dad leaving, not to be a big deal, it just is. And there's, I, I got to kind of come to terms with that I can't just shrug it off as if it's no big deal because uh, it's a big uh, part of, of who I am, and that that can be, there's some good things that have come out of that, actually, and we can talk about some of that another time, but there are also uh, things to heal from as well, and I've seen in recent years that I came to adopt unknowingly like an orphan mentality, that I was always, that I didn't belong, that I wasn't wanted, um, and you may not have been able to see that as we're interacting as friends, community, whatever, but it definitely affected my uh, emotional world and why I operate the way that I do, why, why I love humor so much, why there, there are ways that I've uh, existed to maybe try to feel more safe or accepted in my life. Um, I have a number of friends who have adopted uh, older children um, from various places, and one thing they've found is that just because the courts say they're yours doesn't mean they believe it. So uh, it's not uncommon if a child grew up in poverty to hoard food or some other resource once they're adopted because they're afraid they will lose it, right? And we're not much different. We uh, operate often out of past negative experiences. And one thing the Lord invites us to do is to experience healing and to begin to operate in the present based on His love rather than, um, ra rather than some things uh, in the past.
Um, there are a couple ways that we often go um, fall off a cliff on either direction uh, when it comes to talking about hurtful things, and one is to totally deny it as if it doesn't exist, it doesn't matter at all. The other is to become so obsessed with it that we are just crushed under the weight of it and we can't operate. Um, those are kind of um, two ditches that we need to be careful of. But I think that the Lord wants us to have uh, uh, walk in a third way. And that third way is to be honest about what's gone on in the past and invite God to work in our hearts and souls uh, related to that. And uh, again, not to dwell forever on it, but to ask for healing. I can't fix my stuff. You can't fix yours. Uh, but God can do it in our hearts, and that's what, um, by His grace, I've been experiencing a good bit uh, recently. Um, there's this uh, truth that I think the Lord wants us to become um, observant of and acknowledge our inner life. I've denied it for many years. I'm like, I think because I was scared of being hurt or didn't really know what to do with that, and I think I'm not alone um, in that, but the Lord has uh, brought to mind uh, that He wants to love all of who I am, not just the outward me or the part of me that I'm willing to, uh, to acknowledge. King David uh, learned to do this. We know a lot about King David's life. It was kind of a wreck um, in many ways, but God was good to him and gracious in his life. And this is from Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Um. I'm learning that the Lord is faithful when we open up in those places that we don't, we're, we're uncomfortable with or it's hurtful. He is faithful to love us and to heal. Um, and I've been trying to walk in that third way over the last five years or so, um, mostly failing, <laughs> but that's where I need God's grace. But He has been faithfully working and a deep way in my own heart and soul, um, especially in these past five years. Um, it started with that recognition of the problem where I realized I had went almost a decade without talking to my dad. Um, and then the next thing was like, oh man, what do I do with this? Lord, can you help me with this? And I would talk to many of you in this room, uh, receive prayer, uh, processing, the strong leader process was very helpful um, as well. And a couple of years ago, I tried to actually work on my relationship with my dad. Um, I, I went to visit um, around Thanksgiving three years ago, and uh, it did very little <laughs> to, to, like, uh, you know, remedy our relational issues. In fact, it actually just kind of confirmed what he had always said, was, which is that he does cost-benefit ratios on, on relationship, and if he doesn't think he brings something to the equation, then he won't participate, he won't pursue it at all. 
um, which obviously, lots of room for praying for him and, and helping him know the truth about how uh, who he is. Um, so that was, while it was hard, I felt like the Lord freed me from the burden of just the ambiguity of it all and not acknowledging it and not going and trying to pursue some form of uh, reconciliation. Uh, and uh, what I found is that a lot of my anger, because I was really angry during those 10 years, that decade when I really didn't talk to him, was just like really ticked off. Um, and sorry if you received any of the brunt of that. But uh, this is just my my story of learning to be able to sit with the Father's love. Um, I realized at that time that the, res the response of my dad cannot uh, determine the rest of my life. Like, that's not what God has for me. That I can't live my life based on how my dad does or does not relate. And more specifically, I really want to operate in my true dad's love and see that that's what's really giving me purpose, meaning, belonging, uh, these sorts of things. The work is ongoing. Uh, the last couple of months have been like uh, a whirlwind of God working in my life. A lot of it uh, happened with Randy's death and that grief being like a Mack truck to me. and. I realized while I was grieving over his, uh, losing him as, as a friend and brother, at least temporarily, uh, that I was grieving for many things other than Randy that I didn't know that I hadn't yet grieved over. But it was the occasion that God used to kind of um, set off that, that charge and break the dam so that all these other things, I could, I could, uh, I could deal with them. He could deal with them. Um, I, had, I think I had refused to grieve. I was pushing down that beach ball for a long time, and I just got exhausted, and the death of a friend really was what, um, was what made it, I think, possible by God's grace for me to, to grieve a lot of other things in my life. And I feel a huge burden lifted um, uh, through the last uh, few months in particular. And I've been asking the Lord recently... Um, not only for healing, but for new ways of understanding who I am in relation to him. And he's been really faithful to do that. Um, and while I didn't really plan it this way, kind of the core of what I'm sharing today is about what the Lord can do in prayer. Um, and he's been giving me um, a series of pictures about who I am and who he is that have been very powerful and, and healing for me. Um, I was praying a few days after uh, Randy passed away and just asking the Lord what was all this grief about and can you help me and um, realizing there's a lot more to this grief than, than the present circumstance. And I got a series of images in my soul or mind or however you define these things uh, that have been very powerful to me. One was, the first one was, uh, um, my hands within my own soul, and I was gripping onto this, like, swirling mass of dark stuff, 
and I was kind of gripping it and not letting it go, and I would sort of, I'd sort of like, you know, pet it, and, but I wouldn't let it go, and the Lord said it's time to let it go. And I realized that there's a lot more within my own heart and soul than I was aware of. There's just a lot of stuff in there that I thought I maybe needed or benefited me in some way, but it was really like a toxic thing in my own, my own heart and soul, and he told me to let it go and that he would take it from me. Um, the second um, image was of myself as a little boy, but bizarrely enough, I was a boy made of lights. Kind of cool, like, is that a Pokemon thing or something? But, you know, like me as a, as a you know, maybe five, six year, two years old made of bright light. It wasn't like I had features or anything, but just this light kid. And uh, I was trapped in a dome of stone. Like an igloo without a little ancient stone. And I realized that I, when I was young, had built up defenses around me trying to protect myself. And it had come to enslave me and trap me. Um, and the The Lord said, you can come out and play now. And that was powerful to me because I think I just thought everything, you know, like, I'm just going to be screwed up for the rest of my life. <laughs> Which I may be, but, you know. Uh, but it was hopeful to me. I, around the same time, I had uh, heard a, an interview with somebody who talked about having a period of time where she realized um, there was an untraumatized part of herself still inside of herself. And this was uh, connected with me and my picture that the Lord gave me of being able to be free of some of the burdens that I had unknowingly um, held on to for uh, quite some time. This work is ongoing even uh, in, our, in our retreat in San Diego a couple weeks back where I had this realization while we're worshiping that I don't have any, I don't have any memories of my dad being a, a, um, playful or holding my hand or kind of that sort of affectionate uh, uh, relationship. Uh, but then I saw a picture of God holding my hand and lifting me in the air and playing with me uh, as, as my real dad. And I also had a realization, this is very powerful for me, it went immediately into seeing myself holding my kid's hand and knowing that they will never have a day when they, when they experience what I do. I felt very thankful for that because it could have been that I had just become a neglectful father and whatever, like not, not tender or caring, but they will always know um, that I do love them, and they'll have memories of that, which is, which is remarkable. Um, family, we are his kids, and there are many verses that make that really clear. Uh, in Galatians, says, 4, 6 says that we are sons and God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He's our good dad, our, our, our uh, 
perfect dad. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, I don't know, what's the last time you used that in everyday conversation? Like, never. Uh, but hallowed means holy, revered, perfect, good. Uh, and he is uh, our good dad. Um, he's a good dad for you, too, even if you don't feel like it. And what I invite all of us to do is to be willing to go to some of those places maybe that we thought couldn't be healed or we've been unwilling to let it go and ask God to work with you in that place. Um, make it a practice of prayer. Lord, search my heart and know my way. See if there's anything offensive in me or ang anxious in me. And would you do the work that's needed? And I'm not going to tell you that it can happen or that it will happen in an instant, although it can. But what I am saying is being committed to healing and freedom by asking God for it over a period of time will bear fruit. That's a prayer that he wants to answer yes. And so I encourage uh, everyone uh, uh, to do that. I got a lot more here that I wanted to share, but that's the core of what I wanted to um, just share uh, with you about what the Lord's doing in my life. I'm experiencing much more personally the Father's love day to day, some through the encouragement of Justin and just being open to it, but a lot of it has to do with receiving liberation, freedom from uh, things in the past, and I'm still, I'm still definitely learning and growing and, and healing uh, in that, but I want to encourage you to join me in that pursuit. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you do love us right where we're at, and um, you are a good and perfect dad. No matter uh, what our dads um, on this side, uh, whether they're good or not so good, um, pray that you would pour your love into our hearts and heal us in those places where maybe we didn't even know we needed it. Uh, Lord, would you bless this, this family with your love, uh, rain that down uh, on us, help us to experience it. I pray that none of us would uh, stiff arm you, but we would um, receive your embrace because that's what you want. Uh, help us to approach you as kids. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to the table now. Um, this, receive this is love, right? This is the Father giving us himself, reminding us of the gospel. Um, Jesus lost his Father on the cross so that we could gain the Father. And maybe think about that as you're taking it uh, in smaller groups, um, that the cross was your adoption day. He, uh, he won that for you. So um, go ahead there, stations one, two, three, and uh, we'll come back in a minute and send you out.